years this uh, book was in process before it saw the light and uh, and that's it now it's here it's with us and uh, forever Hashem. Um, mostly um, came out of real great um, solid visions that I enjoyed from um, from Hashem real true messages that I um, received in a great uh, loud inner voice that uh, that Hashem uh, blessed me to be able to hear and to experience in ways that are um, very hard to describe to to others because it's um, you you like suddenly you're experiencing things beyond the dimension that you're at you are being taken to a dimension that is beyond and then when you need to explain it you're back in the old dimension and then you need to put things into words and if you experience something in a level that is beyond place and beyond space beyond limitations of this lifetime so you don't have the ability to put it into words because words are limited. So even if you're going to talk for days and for weeks and for months and years, you won't be able to cover what that you saw in a moment. And so the great majority of the inspiration I took out to write those uh, wonderful explanations about the way our souls are coming down to this lifetime and what they are completing and what they are experiencing and how a soul can play in few roles, even in one lifetime and how a soul is bouncing and jumping out from one body to another and reincarnation and other aspects that are being described in a very simple language, as you know, and that I'm always trying to do it in the most simple way that it can be done. And um, to break it down to English and to, to such a simple, accessible um, knowledge for everyone um, is a great work. And Baruch Hashem, I got a lot of help from a few and uh, friends that helped in great ways that invested and put a lot of time working on this wonderful book. And I'm very grateful for that. And um, and we're selling on Amazon, right? Now that's uh, also a good news to mention, right? Uh, we're, we're developing, we're also growing with, uh, with the modern industry. We're, we're in one line with the modern technology and we are uh, printing and selling uh, through Amazon as well. And we're happy, happy to do so. And, um, and that's it about the book. It's, um, I recommend not all of it uh, for my visions and my ideas. Most of the inspiration I got from that, but uh, a lot of knowledge and you can, uh, you can read inside and see that there are many quotes and many sources um, for the real solid uh, knowledge we enjoyed from the Zohar Kadosh and from other books from Shara Gilgulim 
and um, other Kabbalah books that I was um, able to relate the message that I got from Hashem into those um, quotes and into those um, solid um, fundamental explanations, very stable and uh, old school explanations. And to see how the wave and spirit and energy that is needed for our modern slash um, current generation um, also has very deep roots in the ancient wisdom and the old and um, first and unique source of uh, that kind of knowledge that came from our ancestors. So it's a great blessing and I really recommend everyone to enjoy. And it's cheap. <laughs> it's a very fair price. It's an amazing thing. Very affordable, proud. not cheap. What? I said it's affordable. It's affordable. Cheap. You see, uh, you see, the, this this is why I need you to to help me to express what that I'm not able to do on my own. So good. Okay, so wonderful, Baruch Hashem. So we have that, and our. Um, Amuna Learning Project is expanding, right, to more activities. You spoke about it as well? Yeah. Yeah. Hashem. So I'm also very excited about that because it's for a long time that we wanted this group to have more to give to the individuals, to everyone who takes part in this wonderful group. And uh, for that, we're going to open more sessions and more classes and more um, conversations and we'll be able to learn and to grow um, in greater ways and I'm very very happy about that as well I'm very thankful to see um, so many of you participating and joining the Sunday's classes so hopefully you'll do so as well um, to your ability and to your comfort in the other days of the week that we will open the new classes so that's great, Baruch Hashem, too. Now what? We need to talk about the uh, Torah. So I'll tell you something I, um, I really had in mind, and, um, and I must say with great, um, with great pain. And I'll tell you why I'm saying that. Um, there are great wisdoms that we are willing to share with the world, but the world is not always able to, to receive them. So when the soul's are not able to take the message and to go with it and to develop and to grow. So, or that they show lack of interest, like not willing, not interested, no excitement about that true knowledge and they're being cold about it, or that the opposite is taking place and there's a great fire of arguments, of machloket, of fights, disagreements, anger, 
Why are you talking about these kind of things? You're not allowed to speak about those things. Energy of rejection. Now, in both of the cases, we are talking about rejection. We are talking about the lack of ability to, to learn. The fear from developing and growing is, um, is being seen here. But the thing is that the person who is about to learn, that is willing to learn, he needs to check himself why am I rejecting and why am I holding back or why am I upset or why am I angry? The fact that you are one of those things or lazy and sad or angry and upset is your own issue. That's your own problem. Those are your obstacles to receive light. Now, many times a person will say, it's not light. <laughs> You're just lying. I don't want to take it because it's false, because it's not true. It's not good. He will justify his rejection. He will justify his laziness. He will explain to you why you are wrong and he is not. And that argument is almost endless. Why? Because if he will hold to his opinion and you're going to hold to your opinion, <laughs> that's the end. It's like, you're going to spin in your own circles for good. Like no one will ever be open for new learning and for development. And our problem as a nation and as a group of truth seekers, that we are very, very far from being free from fear, very, very far from being independent and with self-confidence to claim for the truth and to ask for the truth and to demand the truth. We're very, very scared. We're very, very hurt in many, many ways. So when people are talking about Kabbalah and when people are talking about calling Hashem in his name and people are talking about things without violating any rule of Torah, without coming out of, of, of the frame that our ancestors established for us, not crossing and not breaking no fence, just following the simple orders that, we, that we've been taught. But because that we dare to lift our heads above the water and start asking questions, there is a great resistance. There is a great power that is not able to bear our strength, our holy brazenness. And therefore, we're facing a great war all the time. And the verse is saying, I don't remember the exact word that the first word is being said, if it's shikuyai or shikuvai, but the next word is bevechi masachti. I think it's shikuvai, bevechi masachti. It means that the things that I wanted to say, the things that I was hoping to say, first of all, I had to cry before I was able to give them out. And this is why the Talmud Bavli, the oral Torah, is so special and unique. And it was all 
forbidden to be told there was a rule back then and it's still standing until today that you're not allowed to write the oral Torah. Oral Torah must be teach orally to speak about it. You need to verbally talk about those things. They're not meant to be written. But the holy sages took that brave decision and wrote it down. So how come? How can it be that the establishers of Jewish rules for generations will violate such a great rule in such a, a basic and, and main and, and high way, so main, so such a, such a basic rule, not to write the oral Torah. And they're writing the oral Torah and they're giving it out. Because the oral Torah will never be written completely. There is no way to complete writing the oral Torah. No matter how many writings we're going to write of oral Torah, there's still going to be much more to say. Let's say that now I'm going to talk to you about Hitbodedut, and I'm going to teach you one hour class about Hitbodedut. And then in the next day, I'm going to speak with you for another one hour. And like that, we're going to run a whole year. Every day, we're going to talk about Hitbodedut. Do you think that after one year, we're going to finish knowing everything that there is about Hitbodedut? Not at all. Not even close, not even a drop in the sea. Not even the beginning, the peak, the edge of the tiniest letter of the Aleph Bet, we won't be able to cover. Because the Torah is wider than the sea. And there is no end to it. And this is why we are allowed, so to speak, to break some rules and to bring down oral Torah and secrets of Torah that, so to speak, not supposed to be written, not supposed to be exposed, not supposed to be revealed in such an open way that anyone can take and everyone can copy and everyone to, can claim for rights on that, on that wisdom as if it belongs to him, as if he is the main holder and the... the, the the, the maker, the creator of that wisdom. Everyone can claim for, for to, have, to be the original and, 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 and first one who, who brought it out to the light. So there are great, great wisdoms that must be handed out. And um, every time that I'm willing to express, to talk about them, the waves that, uh, that are coming against me are overwhelming in such great ways that I'm like overwhelmed. I, I really don't know what to do. I'm like, I just open my mouth, start talking about something and there is such an energy that is attacking me. If it's an energy of people who are like, what are you, why and what are you doing? And are, are you crazy? Why are you talking? Like, Guys, I chose a book. I started reading from that book. I'm reading first page, second page, third page. And like the world is already in flames. And like, what happened? Like, what, what, what have I done? I'm just like, I, I, we're in the introduction. 
we haven't came into those parts that the righteous ones that said that are that might be dangerous to read and to say whatever we're not there yet no you cannot touch it you cannot uh, hear it you cannot say it there are people that are not able to deal with this kind of wisdom like what all that fear all that anxiety are for me a very very painful um acceptance that people accept on themselves to stuck in a very medium and low level and not to fight and not to climb and not to grow and they chose despair and sadness over success and greatness but for the salvation we meant to succeed for the great redemption we all need to climb to such high levels that were never seen before and if you want to say okay when mashiach will come he will bless us with this wisdom when mashiach will come we will enjoy those illuminations it's not up to us it's up to hashem that's another debate that's another argument if hashem is waiting for us to bring the salvation or we waiting that hashem will bring the salvation it's a great argument i am much more into us doing our part and fulfilling our role in this lifetime and doing the maximum we can now people think that a great labor and gigantic preparation is needed and required for the person to learn kabbalah for the person to call hashem in prayers but if you open the book of tehillim David Amelech, when he was talking to Hashem, he was calling Hashem in the name of Hashem. David Amelech was saying to Hashem, Adonai. David Amelech was saying to Hashem, Elohim. Now, in prayer, the halacha, the Jewish rule, is allowing the person to call Hashem. You're not allowed to mention the name of Hashem in vain for no reason. But if you're calling Hashem, there is no justification not to call Hashem in His name. There's no reason in the world to say Hashem instead of saying the name of Hashem. It's like to say to someone, Mr. when you know His name. Why to call Him Mr. when you know His name? Now, if you want to say that as an honor, as a respect to your father, you're never going to call your father in His name and you're gonna, always going to call Him my father or my teacher or my rabbi or whatever as a title of honor so let me tell you that the names of Hashem are not the real name of Hashem himself the real name of Hashem that is written in Yud Kei Vav Kei, that is a name that we're not allowed to say that is the specific name of Hashem that we are not allowed to, to name him to call him as you will not call your father in his name. Pinchas, Aaron, Moshe, David, Yosef, and on. Richard, you're not allowed. But to call him Abba or Adonai, Adonai means my master. Elohim means the one who owns all the powers, the master of the angels, the one that is on top of all the powers, them all. It's a nickname. It's a name. It's a title. It's not the name. It's not Yud Kei that we're not allowed to call. So when a person is praying, you can see the book of Tehillim and you have many other prayers. 
the prayer of Adam Arishon that is written in the book of Raziel Amalach, the, the uh, other prayers that are written in the Zohar Kadosh, in the Gemara Kadosha. Tzadikim, righteous people, throughout all the generations were always calling Hashem in his name. That is the way that you call Hashem in prayer. Now to start talking about it and to tell people, hey guys, you need to call Hashem in his name because like Hashem is waiting for us to call him in his name. And it's such a heartwarming experience for Hashem that we're calling him in his name. It's like, whoa, finally they call me. Like they call me. Hashem is excited. Hashem is a loving parent. Hashem is, uh, to explain to you, my Ahavat Hashem is, not, is one of those things that I'm also not able to put into words. Like Hashem is so good. Hashem is good with no end. Hashem is, is compassion itself. Hashem is goodness itself. Hashem is kindness itself. Hashem is kindness. Hashem is good. Good is Hashem. There is no good but Hashem. There is no kindness in the world. There does not exist goodness that is not an, a shine of goodness from the source of goodness of the Almighty. That's beyond our understanding. So that love that endless loving entity, endless entity is, is yearning and waiting and hoping like we forgot about him. He never forgot about us. We are busy with our lusts and desires and fears and errands and obligations and stress and thoughts. And like we are hungry or tired or like we, he, he's always here. Now we're also blaming him for not being here for us. When I explained it once, a fish that lives in the water, he knows all about food. He knows all about his friends. He knows all about the size of the water tank or the, the side, the banks of the river or what. Like he knows about all the physical things that are in the water. But to the water itself, He's not aware. Even though that he's breathing water, he's eating water, he's swimming in the water, he's leaning in on the water, like everything in his life depends on water. But water is a concept that you cannot expose to him unless you're going to take him out of the water. <laughs> One second out of the water and, and, he, and, and uh, he admits, yeah, there is water. That's how we are with Hashem. Hashem is feeding us. Hashem makes us breathe. Hashem is everything that is around us and inside of us. Surrounding and filling all the worlds, reviving and, 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 and making all things happen. Like he is life itself. But only when a person is being threatened to die, God forbid, to lose his life, to lose everything, then he, oh, 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 now he needs to connect to Hashem. We're not able to recognize that everything is Hashem. Now we're talking like, come on, guys, you're in the U.S., I'm in Israel. Do you know the distance? We, we're, not, we're not able to talk. You cannot hear my voice now. This is a wonder. This is a miracle. This is an act of God that chose a certain way to hide his spiritual power to bring me to the U.S. and you to the land of Israel 
without you moving away from your sofa and me from my own comfort zone. And we are not able to see that it's Hashem anymore. So it's phones, it's computers, it's technology, but it's all Hashem. 200 years ago, the Baal Shem Tov was able to talk to the Orachayim HaKadosh when the Baal Shem Tov was in Ukraine and the Orachayim HaKadosh was in Israel. They were talking. They didn't have iPhones, so we're not going to believe that they were talking. No, they were talking. And now, the same wisdom that was used by the Baal Shem Tov and the Orachayim HaKadosh that was communicating from miles away from each other, are being hidden into plastic, into modern technology, and the mercifulness and the kindness of the creator is shining in through a filter in our reality. The same ability that the Baal Shem Tov had and the Orachayim HaKadosh had to communicate been given to us undercover, covered from our eyes. And now we have and access to the same tool that makes two people in different lands to speak. And they call it the cloud, they call it the internet, things that are, are, does not exist. Explanations for our brain to catch something, to grasp something, it really does not exist. It's all Hashem. Hashem wants you to be able to learn when you are in your own home, because Hashem knows that you need to stay in your house. And also he wants you to learn Torah. And you know the Torah that comes from Eretz Yisrael, Ki Mitzion Torah, Dvar Hashem Yerushalayim, is important and precious. And Hashem knows the importance and greatness of that kind of Torah. So he is accessing that Torah that comes from Zion into homes and houses and, and yeshivot and places around the world and into subways and, 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 and trains that are driving across the, the, the world. And Hashem is sending the message into that cabin, into that house, into that car, into like, and you to have the ability to, to hear it um, faster even because you don't have time so you can speed up a class of one hour and a half and to finish it in 37 minutes on your way to work crazy things that Hashem is doing I gave a class that class went viral it been seen by over three million people it was one hour class three over three million hours of me talking were heard in the world. How can that be? How can it be that I spoke over 3 million hours? A person is not alive for 3 million hours. He doesn't have that in his 120 years of life. And I spoke already millions of hours. When you heard me, it was one hour I was talking to you. When you heard me, I was talking to you another one hour. I spoke for millions and millions and millions of hours, way more than the hours of my lifetime, throughout all the lifetimes I ever lived. We cannot understand it. We just need to accept that Hashem is the one who is running the world. And that's why, even though that it's coming undercover, and through filters, we should remember and understand that those filters 
are protecting our eyes and making that wisdom edible and accessible for us. And without those filters and without those darking screens, we would never be able to enjoy that light. It's written in Likutei Alachot by Rabbi Natan Mibreslev that the letters of the Torah are fire. And how can it be, he's asking over there, that light of the Torah Kedoshah will be written in ink on, on a paper, on a paper page. How, how can the letters transform from being letters of the Torah that are fire, like beyond fire? Physical fire is nothing compared to the fire of the Torah. The lowest fire in the world to come that is the fire of hell, that is the lowest level of fire, is stronger 60 times more than the hottest kind of fire that we have here in, on earth. Our hottest fire is one out of 60 from the lowest, coldest fire in hell. And hell is the lowest level of sky. And the Torah, for sure is coming from the upper worlds, upper, upper worlds. We cannot understand the heat and, and the illumination of the letters of the Torah. And how can it be, Rabbi Natan is asking, that those sources of light are dressing themselves into books, into books in English, how, how, how it can be done? So Rabbi Natan is saying that's the expression of the unconditional love of Hashem to his children, that he is limiting himself, that he's constricting himself, that he's blocking himself into boxes, into chains. He's closing himself into fruits, into sweet drinks, sodas, into food, into books, into clothing, into wallpapers, into any kind of physical things that we are able to suck life out from, that we are able to bring out some kind of pleasure, some kind of satisfaction out of those things. And even more than what we just said, even from the sins, Eve, the light of Hashem is shining even from the darkest places, from the dark sides of creation, places that are for us unreachable. We cannot understand how can it be that Hashem makes those places exist. We do not want those places to be exist at all, but Hashem is reviving them. Hashem is continuing life into those places to keep on damaging, to keep on destroying and demolishing the world from our point of view, and to blame Hashem for not having a justification for his actions is not an act of faith. And to argue and to fight with Hashem on what that he's doing in his world is not an expression of faith and trust in him. So the person needs to believe that God works in mysterious ways and that he knows what's in the dark exactly like he knows what's in the light. Things that our eyes cannot catch, his eyes see fully. 
and he sees it all and he knows exactly why. And there are reasons for everything. And the world must go through that crazy calamity, through those horrible collapses, through those pandemics, through those moments of, 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 of crashes that we were not able to deal with, that we are like only overwhelmed, refusing to, to accept, but to trust in Hashem that He knows what He's doing. And in the end, everything is sacrificed and being burnt, dedicated just for me, Hashem is saying, even the incense that is being burnt in, in idols, worshippers, churches, in places that the name of Hashem should not be even mentioned over there. There are causes, there are reasons of Hashem. And he knows why. He's sending his light under those heavy, thick coverings for the light one day in the end of that process to break through all those curtains of darkness and to illuminate the world with Hashem's grace and shine. For those darkest places of them all, the ones that are impossible for us to bear, to shine to be redeemed, to be fixed, to be corrected. And that's why the redemption is so important. And like we said before in the past, the redemption is not the redemption that will take place in the future for the last generation that will have the merit to see the redemption. The redemption is like waves in the sea, like this wonderful picture we chose for the for the covering of the book that when the stone is falling into the water it creates a ring it creates a circle and those circles are expanding and expanding and they never stop from growing and expanding and this is the way that the redemption will take place it will start somewhere in that moment in time that the generation will have the merit to be redeemed, but the effect of redemption to that moment will be to cancel that moment's constriction in time and place. And therefore, place and time's limitations will no longer affect all the time spots that ever took place in the past. It means that all the moments who we all, in all our lifetimes, ever experienced since the first moment of creation till the last moment of redemption, all those moments to all the creations in all their lifetimes, in all their moments of existence, will experience the redemption. So we're going to call it billion times. You're going to experience the redemption in billion moments, in billion times, billion spots that you were existed, ever existed. Even as a spark in a different body 5,000 years ago or 3,000 years ago or 800 years ago, 
you as that spark gonna experience the redemption in that moment. The redemption is the redemption of the worlds, not of the world, not of 2022, of the creation that was ever created, that began somewhere and never gonna end. This is the light of Hashem. This is the light of redemption. The redemption will hit waves that will expand and break all boundaries, all borders, all limitations, and into all the moments that were ever existed in the lives of all creations. The Redeemer will come and the Creator will shine and they will all experience the redemption. And if there was a sinner that was sinning and doing horrible things for hundreds of years or thousands of years, he will be punished in any moment that he ever sinned and violated and ruined and destroyed and killed and murdered and raped and, and, and burnt. And he will be punished severely in horrible punishments that we cannot even imagine and want, don't want to think of and see. And he will be taken away from us. And we will not see. Because he will be taken to that place where all villains and evil are going to go down to. To get what they deserve. What that they brought upon us. They will get back on their heads. And we will enjoy the redemption in all the moments that we were waiting and we were deserved to be redeemed for our goodness, for our natural goodness, for just being there. So a person, if he's also sinning and also committing mitzvot, so he might also find himself losing some moments that were potentially able as a vessel to contain the light of redemption. But it does not mean that on all the moments that he kept Torah and mitzvot and he was nice and he was kind and he was loving and he was caring, that he won't be rewarded greatly. In eternal satisfaction, living the moment of redemption forever and ever, eternal life in that moment, but also in the moment before, and also in the moment before, and also in the moment before. Because in any moment of your life, you're a new creation. Now, if they're gonna come, the redemption, if the redemption will take place now, you are you, you will be, so happy, okay? But if the redemption will come now, it's going to be a little bit different. It's a little bit different. Like people already crossed the street. People already finished drinking their cup of coffee. People were after or before of whatever came later. So the world is not the same now as it was one moment ago. So when the redemption will come, it will not redeem us only in the future when it will come. It will redeem all those moments that we were ever part of creation. So you will experience the redemption in all the moments that you were ever existed. And even if I'm repeating it over and over and over and over, you should know that even if I'm going to repeat it over and over and over again, one million times, you will not understand it fully. And not even a drop in the sea, <laughs> like we said before. Because the Torah, and especially the redemption, is wider than the sea. 
It's the access to infinity from a world of limitation and constrictions to a world that has no limits of eternal pleasure. So that's where I'm at, stuck with my thoughts, doesn't know how to express my heart, breaking my head to the walls, struggling <laughs> in this crazy lifetime, exactly as you are. And Bezat Hashem, we'll see great results out of our great honest effort to, to bring that day and to see everyone happy around us, with us. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. You. Um, okay, so we want to invite everybody to please take part from here with your questions. Um, like last time, raising your hand is a great setup. So if anybody wants to go ahead with that, please, we really welcome your input and your question. Everyone that has a question is more than welcome to ask. Okay. Please feel comfortable about it. Okay, so we have our first question from David. David, do you want to go ahead? Hello, Malachim, David. Good to see you. Thank you for joining us. Good to see you as well. Thank you for the uh, fire. You brought it today. It's not mine, Achie. I'm enjoying it as well with you. Baruch Hashem. We should continue enjoying it in, in greater and greater ways. Amen. Amen. Um, wow. Um, yeah, that's, I have a lot. That's a good so question. Maybe we're going to move to the next though. Say it again. It was a great question. Let's move to the next. For sure. Um, just taking it in, I guess a little bit, but, um, okay. So my first question is when a little bit earlier in the, in what you were saying, that you experience certain revelations and certain um, certain experiences, and uh, you know, I also have experienced certain things that I don't. I haven't really told people about, um, and I don't know if I, if it's something to tell people about. I don't know. It's necessarily. I know you said that you couldn't find the right language or the right uh words to use but i feel like in a in a way i would be able to use the right words i just i guess i always had a thought like this is something between me and hashem and i don't know if this is something that is to be told right now like like if it is told right now i like i don't know who would uh, i don't like if it's something that would even be believable if it's something that would be like like, who am I talking there to? Is What's a, the point there is I'm a mitzvah it? to say things, and there is a mitzvah not to say things. Like some things needs to be heard, and some things need not to be heard. Now the question is, what's the benefit? What's the use? If there is a great use, if there is a great benefit, if you see that someone needs your wisdom, so you are obligated to share. But if you find yourself that you just like, also that can be okay. If you just like feel like sharing or talking, so it it might also be okay. The question is, in that situation, if you not, God forbid, might find yourself that you're hurting someone else that does not have no connection to that. Like you might be like, 
jealous or like envy or like not understanding or like even holding you as crazy like because it's so foreign for him like he's not ready to to understand it at all so it's better in this kind of cases to keep it for ourselves i'm also not talking about everything that i go through like not at all not even close Okay, but you still do say certain things out in the public, right? Like you're saying things to the internet, which can go everywhere. Even, uh, you know, you explain. Definitely have a certain purpose in my life and um, a life mission that is it. That That's my thing. That's my art. That's my music. That's my talent. That's what I meant to do in my life. So I'm finding myself forced to do it not able even not to do it but uh, not everyone are like that and it doesn't mean that it's greatness for someone else it can be that for someone else to be humble and shy about it and like uh, very humble about it is um, is much more like suitable for him for his lifetime for his environment um is there any other reason other than people thinking that you're crazy or uh potentially making people jealous that you wouldn't be able to say certain experiences um, i don't know i um, i wouldn't come up with a third one i think that especially the main one that i will consider that i would consider is for other people not to be hurt from my words for maybe for many reasons like even like let's say a person that has children like it doesn't like Hashem gave me children now I have children like what can I do with it but like if you start like posting your children pictures all over the place and all over the world if you have people that are struggling without children you might uh, push and 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 hurt them in ways that you're not aware of and you're just like joyfully happily and like it's ideal that people that are happy will be able to express their joy it's like it's normal but you don't know what's happening on the other side of the screen and a real humble and innocent person should be very careful about it so now I'm going to hide the fact that I have children. I'm never going to post. I will. But like that we are breaking the glass in the wedding to show that our happiness is not complete, that we're not forgetting the destruction of the temple and that Yerushalayim is still ruined. Always we should put the sorrow and the pain and the mourning of others in our mind while we speak about great things that are happening in our lives. This is why I went very far and very strongly against other rabbis that were and still are talking greatly about thanking Hashem always in any condition. Because it's, even though it can be a very good advice to say thank you, if you believe that Hashem brought a certain situation to your life, it's a, it's a blessing for you to be able to thank Hashem even for your pain, if you are holding that level. But when it becomes to be your speech 
to teach others that they should think for their troubles if they're not holding in that level of being able to thank Hashem, they immediately feel so horrible with themselves. They feel like everyone are so high, everyone are so holy, and everyone are so pure, and only I am not able to accept what did I go through in my life. And people start blaming themselves and hating themselves because they're not able to deal with their troubles. And they are in an okay position. It's okay not to be able to deal with your pain. You're not meant to be an angel. Also, gates of tears are not locked. Not only gates of thanks are not locked. Also, for a person who will cry for his troubles, there are gates to be open. It's okay to be hurt. So when we are going and teaching everyone, you should say thank you, you should say thank you, you should say thank you. It creates a very high standard that is not realistic to those ones who are not able to thank for their troubles. And I will never want to cause a person feeling not comfortable in his own shoes, in his own reality, and to make him feel like, oh, I'm not able to think. You're not supposed to think. If I would be in your place, I wouldn't think as well. Your pain and your sorrow are like the worst thing ever happened to you in your life. Like you, you're not dealing with it. How can I judge you? How can I fix you and correct you? I should only embrace you and love you and care for you and understand that you're going through so much. And if I will be able to take some of your burden, some of your pain, maybe you will also be able one day to thank Hashem for your troubles, for having a friend like me, for having other people that were sources of inspiration in your life. But not if I'm going to tell you that you're doing something wrong by not thanking Hashem for your troubles. On that, Hashem is saying in the verse, with their lips they were honoring me but their heart is far away from me Hashem does not want this kind of things with the mouth when the heart is still far away Hashem wants your mouth and your heart will be in one place that you'll say what you feel so if you cannot think Hashem don't want you to lie Hashem wants you to say, Hashem, I want to thank, but I cannot, not on that. That's too painful. Hashem wants the truth. Hashem is close to everyone who calls him with truth. Hashem. So that would be the main reason why I would hold back my speeches and won't open certain things if I will think or suspect that I might in some way, and it's better to be more careful than not to. to hurt someone god forbid thank you so much and uh you, I, i'm not gonna lie rub everything you're saying is just igniting more questions i can't i can't help myself i don't know like i know there are other this people is a very but... good this is a very now now i got the recipe for our future this is the, the the way that our program will last and last and last you're gonna write them down Next week, you're going to ask some more and you're going to inspire. <laughs> next other week, there are more questions. Flower of life. More questions bring more answers. And you cannot be a bad chuva that you own the answer if you haven't asked all the questions you had. To have one answer to all your questions, that's to be a real bad chuva. You have an answer. 
God bless you. Thank you. Thank you, David. Thank you. Okay, um, we invite Peter. Do you want to go ahead? Uh, hello, uh, again. Hello, and it's a great honor to, to speak with you in person. Uh, as Thank I said so at, at the beginning, uh, I'm following you since a few months, and your teaching already changed my life. But my question is very simple uh, because uh, I have a problem, problem with the word G-O-D, God, because in some teaching uh, is said that we're not supposed to use this, that we supposed to use Hashem, or like, like you mentioned today, Adonai, Elohim, and some teaching said that we are allowed to use this word God. So I would like to know, is it correct or better not using it? So I, I will answer out of my knowledge, and I'm not sure that my answer is complete. There might be other aspects and other sides to this answer that I'm not aware of and I'm not considering them right now. But I will say two things. First of all, the main thing that I want to say, the name God is not one of the names of Hashem. It's not. It's a translation of a name God in Hebrew to English. It's not one of the names of Hashem. The prohibition of mentioning the name of Hashem in vain is going on certain names that are written and we know them and they are all written in Hebrew. If I'm not wrong, it's seven names, right? I have scholars here in this group. I'm uh, waiting for their confirmation. So we have seven names that are the main names that we should not mention them and use them in vain. God definitely is only a translation. It's like that there are going to be a person named Michael, and now you're going to call him Michael. Michael is not Michael. Even though that you call Michael Michael, when you say Michael, you're not saying Michael. The person will relate, or the people will relate the name Michael to the name Michael, but you never said Michael when you said Michael. You said Michael. Michael is not Michael. So when you say God, you're just saying God. There, there's no reason in the world to say G-O-D or to have like some kind of like big, like to be afraid of, of mentioning the name God in vain. It's, it's not one of Hashem's names. That's first. Second, and standing in an opposition to what that I just said, in the same way that I answered David, there might be a side to be careful and not to mention the name God in vain for other people not to mistake and think that it's okay to say the name of Hashem and there's no problem for it. Why? Because for them, out of their knowledge, that is the name of Hashem. And that's how they call him, God. Therefore, they're going to be very careful about that name. So even though that they are exaggerating, because they don't know better, we still need to respect them and not make them think that they were wrong respecting Hashem's name. And now they're going to start disrespecting the name because of us not notifying them 
of all the distance between our understanding to theirs. So that's why there is a side to say that we should be careful also with mentioning the name God in English, just for other people not to mistake because of our way of speech and it might be not so precise and correct. Thank you very much. It, it explained a lot. Thank you. I appreciate your friendship and thank you so much for joining us and hopefully and happily we'll see you soon. I hope to definitely. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, next we have a question from Elihu. Please go ahead. Thank you. <clears throat> um, just, just to say that uh, the word God is, uh, is the German word. And it means good. It means good. So, so, no. So we have another evidence for what we said before that Hashem is good. <laughs> Very good. Thank you so much, Elihu. Appreciate your knowledge and your friendship to share. Um, I think, you know, at this point, like, I was so grateful for this share. It was really powerful. Anybody that feels they have a question, please raise your hand now so that we can get in a last one or two. And then, and then, okay, let's see. Courtney, do you want to go ahead? Yeah, I just go ahead. I unmuted you. Hello, Rob. Thank you very much for Thank being you. with us today. Thank you so um, much. My question is concerning Aliyah. And I would kind of like to know what's happening in Israel right now. Is now a good oh, time? Aliyah. Aliyah yes. to Israel? Yes. Okay. So what are you asking? Like what's going on in Israel? If it's a good time to make Aliyah or like stuff like that? Yes. So yes, you should all come. Everyone should <laughs> come. It's amazing. Yeah. Look, first of all, I'll tell you. Um, Israel is a, is a boiling land. It's always boiling. But it's not as it seems in the news. Like, first of all, the news are twisting the reality of what that goes on here and bringing up sick, very wrong and twisted uh, based on foreign agendas, opinions and interpretations to what that goes on here and taking things very far away from perspective, from the reality of what it goes on here. But I'm not trying to say that they are describing a war when there is quiet. No, there are many situations in each day. The economic situation is complex. The, the, the between different uh, Jewish societies and parties in Israel, you have many disagreements with the Arabs and the, the, the section who claims for Palestinian nationality. Um, there are many issues. Um, definitely you have uh, situations that are going on here. But I promise you that 130 years ago when the first settlers came, it was not easier. And also 100 years ago, when the second wave of settlers came, also they were not enjoying greater prosperity and comfort and support and a very great developed health system as we have today. 
and um, established roads and English translation translation for every question and answer in any language and an organization who will support you like no one ever had what that we have today to enjoy and to be supported as Olim Chadashim to come here to Eretz Israel, and the great majority of Jewish people that are like over six million people that lives now in Eretz Israel, the great majority of those people all came from foreign lands and from exiles in different lands. So we all dealt with the difficulties of Aliyah in this way or another, like your difficulty of being an English speaker is the easiest compared to the challenges that the Hungary, the people who came from Hungary 70 years ago were facing, or the people who came from Iran, Iraq, Egypt, uh, and, and all, or Morocco, like they were all facing a language barrier. Like you have Google Translate, or you have friends, you have internet, you have like so many ways, so many people to support your process. So it's really easier and better than it ever was before. And if you're going to wait a little bit more, it's just going to get easier and even better. So no rush. <laughs> That's my, uh, my opinion. Like, I think that things will always just going to develop and grow. And even though that we're facing challenges and things seems to be very dangerous in many, many ways, I think that it's all for the test and the challenge. But in reality, Hashem will not destroy Yerushalayim again. Hashem will not destroy Tel Aviv. Hashem will not destroy Elat, Natanya, Nahari, Batain. Like, we're here to live. And Hashem brought us here after 2,000 years and more of exile, not to bring a third Holocaust in Israel. Like, it's not what's building up and it's not what it is being created even though there are great and now for the news there are great villains in the world you have horrible people that are planning horrible things in the world you have those villains they are alive and exist and by the way they are the descendants of Bil'am of Amalek of Esav of all the villains whoever were villains in the past they are their great grandchildren and they are still sabotaging with the same filthy impure contaminated passion to damage they're still on on great flames but the hand of hashem will ever be short uh, from saving no hashem will never stop fighting those rebels and will never stop until the complete revenge will take place and they will all find their spots bringing up the heat and warmth to the world by being the source of fire um, for this world forever. Thank you, Rav. Thank you. And David, I also wanted to thank you for your questions because Rav's response, mind-blowing. Loved it. Thank you very much. Thank you, Courtney. Thank you so much. 
So that's good, Bo Hashem. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. And thank you so much for your great, honest friendship. I appreciate it. All our Emuna Project team, very appreciating um, your friendship and then really respecting you for your support. And we're happy to increase the activity on this wonderful group and hopefully more holy souls will join us and Bezat Hashem, you will be able to bring out more and more buckets of holy water from this wonderful spring of faith and may Hashem answer all our prayers and all our requests and to see the redemption surrounded with all our beloved ones in our days. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Great. So yeah, thank you so much, everybody. And just to follow up on the events and the book and everything, please go to the website amuna.com and, and we look forward to being in touch. Thank you. Thank you.